You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnets. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, coming to you live, can you believe it, live from the studios and 3CR on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri people in the Kulin Nation. Of course, we pay our respects to all First Nations people uh, and elders, past, present and emerging, and particularly note, um, happy NADOC to all First Nations people out there um, as we celebrate NADOC week, um, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Um, It feels so good to be back in the studio. I've got uh, goosebumps crawling up my arms uh, just with excitement at the idea of uh, returning to live radio as we approach a new normal as after this uh, very strange pandemic time that we all have been through. And I hope everyone is doing well, looking after each other and enjoying our new freedoms as they start to return. Today on the show, we're going to cross live and talk to a couple of my good comrades at um, Friends of the Earth, because of course, Dirt Radio is Friends of the Earth's sponsored show on 3CR, where we talk about all things activisty going on around in Melbourne um, at Friends of the Earth and the wider environmental and social justice movements as well. want to pay big uh, thanks to uh, my co-hosts Megan and John and Lucinda and M for um, carrying us through. I've had a bit of a break over the pandemic. Um, recording at home didn't work so well for me, but um, really want to thank them for the work that they've done and everyone at 3CR for allowing us to get back into the studio. So... Before I went off on a tangent, I was going to say we're going to talk to uh, Lee Eubank, who is the uh, Act on Climate Coordinator at Friends of the Earth, and also Jamila Rushton, who um, one of the many hats that she wears is the fundraising coordinator, but also is a part of a no new gas emergent new group at Friends of the Earth. So we're going to talk about gas. We're going to talk about what's happening down in the food co-op. And we're also going to talk about what next on the climate after the US election. But first... Let's get a little bit of music and celebrate being back in the studio. This is I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. I do love rock and roll.
You are back on 3CR. This is Phil on Dirt Radio, coming to you live. Exciting to be back in the studio for Dirt Radio, talking about all things activisty, talking about what's going on at Friends of the Earth and what's going on in the wider environmental and social justice movements. Um, joining me on the phone, I'm pretty excited because I don't think I've spoken to both of these people simultaneously in quite some time, is Jamila Rushton, who is the fundraising coordinator and a part of the No New Gas Working Group at Friends of the Earth, and also Lee Eubank, who is the Act on Climate Coordinator. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Phil. Hi, Phil. Hi, Lee. It's very exciting to talk to all three of you, all three of you, all two of you simultaneously. <laughs> if I was having a conversation with myself as well, that would be a part of it. But um, it's great to talk to you um, and finally catch up on live radio. So I want to start off um, by acknowledging um, throughout the pandemic, we've had uh, um, some pretty amazing people at Friends of the Earth really carry on through the, um, the front line of uh, what's going on. Um, in uh, at uh, at Friends of the Earth, um, particularly in the food co-op. And Jamila, I know that we've been talking a lot about the food co-op and the amazing work that they do um, off the air, but I wondered if you wanted to share uh, some of what you know is going on at the moment down there. Sure. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it sort of feels surreal to be talking about it because I'm actually so far away. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been um, working with the food co-op quite a bit Um in the last like month or so, just um, in a sort of preparation to open up. So at the start of the pandemic, um, we packed away all of our tables and chairs and uh, um, basically transformed the cafe section of this co-op into an extension of our bulk food and grocery, mm. um, which kind of spaced everything out and allowed people to continue shopping and keep the doors open and maintain like a community 
accessible space on Smith Street. But yeah, we had um, it sort of lost a bit of that cafe feeling. And you know, although we were still able to do takeaways, um, yeah, it had been a very different, I think, experience for the food cult workers and volunteers, and also yeah, for people coming in. Um, obviously, with restrictions starting to ease, we're now thinking about how we can open open back up and, um, yeah, begin to start including some more um, cafe experience in the food co-op as well as maintain the, the grocery section in a, in the sort of physical physically distant way that we've kind of become accustomed to um, in the last, you know, six months or so. So, um, yeah, we've been, we've been working with them on their COVID safe plans and um, how to open back up and, yeah, have that more community space. Um, and we've launched a crowdfunder to help us um, to help to help us get there. So we'll be doing some infrastructure upgrades um, around um, spacing out the shop, um, really important stuff around hygiene and sanitation, just so that it's kind of much more easy to maintain and um, yeah, more sort of user friendly things like fridges without doors, so you don't have to touch them, and kind of minimising contact around um, beverages and takeaways and things like that. So. Um, yeah, we've launched a crowdfunder this week on Tuft, um, and um, we have some amazing prizes on offer when you make a contribution. So there's like beautiful gift packs from the food co-op. Mm. There's a wonderful calendar, and yeah, a whole bunch of other things. Um, yeah, to, to get your hands on just in time for uh, the silly season. Can't believe it's almost that time of year, but here we are. Well, I definitely know what you mean. I mean, what is the date? It's like 10th of November today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit surreal, isn't it? I mean, it it's has been, wild. you know, people might look at it and go like, oh, um, it's great that um, we have the, the Living Breathing shop down there and it's been great for people to be able to access that local produce, um, uh, you know, uh, different things, um, plastic-free alternatives while um, going to the pandemic and not be all cluttered and forced into the supermarket because it's really a Living Breathing campaign isn't it the food co-op yeah it really is and I think that yeah there sort of have been some huge huge shifts in everyone's um thinking I mean I've personally collected this horrible this horrible collection of takeaway coffee cups in Mm. the past few months so I just feel like I value these spaces even more that are able to kind of provide these plastic free alternatives where um, not only is it yeah kind of reducing waste and sourcing things locally, but also, yeah, able to sort of fund this amazing network of activists that we are lucky enough to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and if people are listening, you know, it is open right now. So if you're tuned in um, on 855am uh, within our broadcasting range and you're thinking, oh, I need to go get some supplies, then why not head down to the Friends of the Air Food Co-op and visit them? The lovely people have been working all through the pandemic. Um, and also you mentioned that crowdfunded gem. Yes, I did. Um, shall I tell you the link for that crowdfunder if people want to go and find it? For sure. And um, I'll put it into the show notes as well um, on 3cr.org.au oh, as well. Amazing. Thanks, Jill. So it's a Chuffed, um, Chuffed crowdfunder. So it's chuffed.org forward slash project forward slash COVID safe co-op. Amazing. And the other easy way to find it is, of course, to head to Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Facebook page. Um, and if you just search for Friends of the Earth Melbourne, you'll find us easily and you'll find the links to that. And other things that we'll talk about in the show, because I do want to move on um, to gas. 
So people who have been following news throughout the um, the kind of COVID-19 times, if you dig a little deep, you'll probably know that the federal government has really slated gas as uh, the kind of mechanism for recovery that is about jobs and growth and all of the usual um, BS that spouts out of um, some of our Polly's mouths. Um, Lee... It's it's been a pretty outrageous time um, to see the growth of gas. Just as it looked like we were getting off coal and on track for renewables, suddenly gas is poking its heads up. Is it really a surprise? No, it's not a surprise, Phil. Um, it is a sign of the times. I think what we're seeing with the emergence of the the kind of push for gas is that finally uh, there is a bit of division in the ranks of the fossil fuel industry. Mm. So. Um, I think the, the gas kind of companies and um, gas miners are really throwing their coal brethren under the bus at the moment. So mm. I think it is a sign of the times with some um, renewable energy technology really out-competing old coal-burning power stations and, you know, the need for urgent action on climate really getting out there and getting strong support in the community. I think that's the reason why we're seeing this division and, um, yeah, gas kind of trying to get on the front foot and um, sneak in and get a bit of support for their nefarious plans to <laughs> keep on polluting. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty outrageous. It's 2020 where everyone's talking about the fast tracking down to um, zero emissions by 2050. And I want to talk about that a little later. I want to stay on gas for now. Um, and, you know, while we can focus on it um, at the federal level, there is local threats. And I know, Jamila, you're down in Warrnambool. Um, um, where locals have been kind of organising and um, worried about a threat down there around the gas industry expansion. Do you want to let us know about um, what's happening down there um, and what some of the threats are? Sure, sure. Well, um, yeah, there's kind of a there's a couple of um, couple of things at play actually down here. Um, the first thing maybe I should talk about is um, the most recent development, which I think is the. Um, some exploration licenses have been given to two energy companies, um, to two mining companies, rather, to explore for coastal gas um, just near Portland, so about an hour um, further west down the coast from me in Warrnambool. So Portland, um, some people might know, is really um, actually kind of famous for the you know, big wind industry and then you can see some, yeah, the sort of uh, beginnings of wind farming and... Um, very windy, beautiful, isolated place um, in yeah the southwest of Victoria. But yeah, there's now plans to um, yeah open up some of these coastlines for um, coastal gas drilling. So um, yeah, those and that those kind of two exploration blocks are part of a much longer exploration um, block that was released by the Victorian state government in 2018, um, which actually spreads. The actually spreads from the South Australian border all the way along to Port Campbell, um, so edging closer towards the Great Ocean Road and the Otways region. Mm. So, and, and all of that is within um, an area called the Otway Basin, um, which is the um, underground deposit of gas and minerals um, under under threat here. Uh, yeah, so there's a growing concern. I think that there was a huge... Um, this, this kind of coastal communities were all very uh, activated and um, opposed to the idea of drilling in the Great Australian Bight as part of the fight for the Bight campaign. But in the background, there have been sort of plans um, from, you know, state and various governments to, yeah, maybe inflict a similar similar kind of uh, 
threat on, on coastlines just in our backyards. So, um, yeah, Pip, I think now with restrictions lifting and obviously the warmer season coming to us, it's, it's becoming very apparent how much everyone has missed and cherishes these kind of ocean spaces and, and landscapes. So I think that, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll only see community resistance grow in the coming months, especially now that we've started to see where, um, you know, mining companies are starting to drop pins and have, have a bit of a more um, detailed look around um, just off the coast of Victoria. Yeah, and the the coastal gas gas threat. Um, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, it isn't even the only one because um, coming up, uh, people may remember way back. I think it was twenty fifteen. Um, someone correct me. My history is wrong. Um, but friends of the earth and um, local communities around the state were um, involved in, of course, the momentous fracking ban that um, banned that um, horrible unconventional gas mining technique, but also saw the introduction of a uh, moratorium on um, onshore conventional gas mining. And that moratorium is slated to be lift, lifted in uh, mid-next year, I believe. Um, so, you know, like, the, there's there's really rising threats happening on gas all around the state, which it seems at odds with the, the state government's plan for um, growing the renewable energy target. Um, why all this um, interest in more and more ghastly? I mean, don't we have other energy sources that we can use? Yes, um, indeed, we do. So in Victoria, obviously, we have the very popular policy of the Andrews government, the Victorian Renewable Energy Target. And, you know, we are kind of on track to achieve 25% renewables uh, by the end of this year, um, on route to 50% renewables um, by 2030. Um, but what we saw yesterday is a, a really game-changing announcement from the New South Wales government. Um, so they have put forward a plan that will uh, see $32 billion uh, worth of investment in solar and wind and mm. battery storage, and it will actually take the state to 75% renewables by the end of the decade. So we're hoping that that can actually be the catalyst for a bit more state competition, and I think that is part of the secret sauce for making <laughs> sure that we don't go down that, that dirty, polluting path of, um, of fossil gas. Yeah, for sure. We had um, recently, there was a big announcement, wasn't there, on batteries in Victoria? Yeah, last week we saw the Minister for Climate Change, Lily D'Ambrosio, announce that Victoria will be building the biggest battery in the country. And this is actually the second biggest battery anywhere on the planet. So I think, you know, Victoria is positioning itself to be the national leader when it comes to energy storage. Um, but we really want it to be the national leader on renewables and climate action too. And, you know, I think um, any any moves to go down and facilitate fossil gas development, it will be resisted quite strongly from communities on the coast and all of the communities that were involved in that successful campaign to ban fracking. Mm, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the growing movement down on the coast, I know... Um, I'm just thinking back to um, some wonderful photos from maybe it was about a year, year and a half ago. I don't know. It all seems like a decade ago now <laughs> after COVID. But, um, you know, the community are really rising up against this threat of coastal gas. Um, the um, alliances that held together through onshore gas, uh, you know, are still working together. You know, these resilient communities will rise up on it. And if people are interested in getting involved in uh 
fighting gas, then um, my advice would probably be to watch this space at the moment and keep an eye on the Friends of the Earth Melbourne Facebook page to see how you can get involved um, in a new, exciting new collective that uh, should be emerging out of Friends of the Earth Melbourne soon. Um, going to come back to you both in just a moment. I'm just going to play a little station ID and we'll be back on Dirt Radio in just a moment. Hello, this is Dan Salton, and you're listening to 3CR Blackfellow Radio, Melbourne. Yes, you are on 3CR, on Dirt Radio with Phil Evans live in the studio. Hooray for live radio. It's so good to be back. And joining me on the phone, of course, has been Jamila Rushton down in Warrnambool, uh, Friends of the Earth Melbourne's fundraising coordinator, and Lee Eubank, who is the Yachton Climate Coordinator, joining me from somewhere in Melbourne as well, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've been talking about local action whilst thinking about it in a federal context with the federal government kind of really slating this uh, this gas-led recovery from COVID-19 and some of the local projects and manifestations of that kind of plan and the community resistance that is coming up on that. But we can also think globally about what's happened um, and we can act locally on that as well. And of course, I am referring to the inescapable uh, kind of US elections that have been dominating absolutely everything in the last few days. Um, if you haven't been following it, um, it seems that uh, Trump is out and Biden is in. Um, you know, whilst it means a continuation of, uh, <laughs> of probably status quo um, in the large scale things, it does have some implications around climate change in Australia. Lee, I know you've been um, thinking and writing about this um, quite a bit recently. What does a win by Biden mean for Australia and, and climate change worldwide? Yes, it, that's a really good question and one worth engaging with, Bill. So the election of, of um, Joe Biden as the next president of the United States, I think it is a game changer for global efforts to tackle climate. Uh, the president-elect, uh, by defeating Donald Trump, uh, will uh, reinstate the Paris Agreement. So the US is back in the Paris Agreement, which is, of course, the global treaty uh, to tackle global warming. Um, and we've seen also a commitment to eliminate emissions in the electricity sector by 2035. Mm. So that obviously means for the United States a very, very large rollout of solar, wind and battery storage. And accompanying that, we will see a $2 trillion investment in clean technology, uh, energy efficiency upgrades for homes and the electrification of school buses and the vehicle fleet. So it is quite a quite a tremendous change and one that has big implications for what's happening in Australia. Um, I think Scott Morrison increasingly has been isolated with his go slow or probably more correctly do nothing mm. approach to climate. And, um, you know, with the United States really, you know, putting its shoulder back to the wheel um, you know, I think Australia is looking very lonely without a commitment to zero net emissions by mid-century and without some of those um, keystone policies that will really drive progress on the emissions reduction front. 
And it's, I mean, it's a really interesting kind of uh, political landscape at the moment. On one hand, we see at the state level where there's been a lot of people power movement um, in Australia, you know, this uh, kind of um, sense that uh, the government are trying, well, there's a push to get ambition on emissions reductions targets. Um, we've seen the US really abandon that process and the federal government um, go lockstep with it. Do you think this will be the thing that gets Scott Morrison over the line? Do you think he'll just kowtow to the American? way or will it still require states to lead on this? Yeah, look, in the interim period, I think we do need to see uh, continued leadership from the states. Um, You know, we know here in Victoria, the Andrews government will be making a a decision fairly imminently around the first two emissions reduction targets for the state. And, uh, you know, I think the Biden election, it does give Dan Andrews, the Premier, cover to be a little bit more bold, a little bit more ambitious. And indeed, that is um, something that Act on Climate and Friends of the Earth Melbourne have campaigned on for a very long time. Um, and I think, you know, come come January 2021, when, you know, Joe Biden actually takes the reins of the United States and enters the White House, because it is such a, a high priority for the new administration, we will see the Americans exert diplomatic pressure on Australia. So, you know, I think we can expect uh, Scott Morrison to, you know, be a little bit more engaged. And if he's smart, he will, you know, get out on the front foot and actually make a few, um, you know, commitments on the climate and energy front. Well, it feels very strange to hear something mildly optimistic about something. (laughs) Not even sure how to have an emotional reaction to that. (laughs) And, you know, it's only going to happen, obviously, you know, while... You know, while the diplomatic pressure from the United States president can have some effect, you know, we know from the history of environmental movements in this country that we do need community support. Mm. Um, One thing that we have done in recent weeks, you know, ahead of the US election, uh, Friends of the Earth launched an open letter to Prime Minister Scott Morrison calling for increased ambition on climate and jobs. Uh, That letter was signed by over 2,000 people We had it hand-delivered to his office by a Labor Party MP a week ago. And we've given the Prime Minister until the end of this week. We've given him an extension on his homework. So he has until the end of the week to respond to all of those community members. Um, So, you know, I mean, if if he's smart, if he's reading the global currents uh, of how things are going on climate, you know, we will get a response. But uh, if not, we're going to have to once again call on the Premier, Dan Andrews, to step up and show leadership. Sure. I'm just looking at the time and it is 9.56 and 40 seconds and uh, the fun I'm having chatting to you both, Jamila Rushton and also Lee Eubank um, from Friends of the Earth about um, everything that's going on because there's so much um, has been wonderful. But I do want to quickly touch on a particular event happening on Tuesday, uh, Thursday the 19th of November. Lee or Jamila, do you want to quickly go on that one? Yeah, I can quickly jump in. So, um, you know, we know that the Premier, Dan Andrews, and the Victorian Labor government will be making a decision on these emissions reduction targets and to send them a signal and to let them know that the community is fully supportive of science-based targets. We have a bit of an endurance feat. We're going to be riding 100 laps in a cycle relay around the Parliament House. (laughs) We're going to be there all day towing our bike trailer with a, a big billboard on it for climate action, and um, we're going to be travelling over 100 kilometres that day 
So we're going to be hard to miss, and um, we will be live streaming the event on Facebook. We'd love people to tune in and give us a little bit of backup. And I'm going to put links to everything we talked about, uh, ways to take action to put pressure on Scott Morrison, that 100 laps for climate event, um, that crowdfunder for the food co-op. But I am absolutely out of time. Thank you so much, Jamila and Lee, for joining me today for our first live show back on 3CR. So great to be here for the first show. Welcome back, Phil. It's a joy to hear you, your voice over the airwaves. Thanks, Jamila. Thanks, Lee. Always good to be on Dirt Radio. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. Yeah, anytime, Lee. And that was Jamila Rushton, the fundraising coordinator and No New Gas working group uh, mem- collective member, and also Lee Eubank from the Acton Climate Collective. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes. This has been Phil, back for my first live show. I now know I'm going to reflect and manage my time a little bit better on the airways, but it's just so exciting to be back live in the studio. I'm going to go out with a perennial favourite um, and to remind everyone who really has the power, it's people who have the power. Here's Patty Smith. Coming up next is the Koori Survival Show. Stay tuned. Happy NADOC, everyone, and see you on the airwaves soon. Bye-bye.